Welcome to a special edition of Conduct Detrimental. We'll call this a joint show this week, the Conduct Detrimental, I guess the normal show, which uh, I've been tending to be the primary host, alongside the NIL Hour guys, Mike Karen, alongside Zach Bryson and Jason Morin. we got a packed house. I don't think we've done a five-person show, guys, since New Year's when we did that special episode. Mike, does that, that sound about right? I think that's right. We've always done maybe three, four is the most. Times are a change in. Okay, here's the plan for today. And, you know, Taryn, I'm going to give the shit back over to you. I know you normally have the NIL hour stuff. We're going to talk about at least three topics. Let's see how far we go. At least four, at least four. LeBron James and PEDs. Taryn, you're about to call this a nothing burger. I am willing to at least explore the chance that it is not. Topic number one. Topic number two, Jason Morin's on as he broke the big league advantage story, and then all of the aggregators across the internet stole him and did not credit him and cost him a lot of uh, Twitter dollars. But we're going to talk about where the story came came to be and how it will impact the landscape. And then uh, a little bit of Mel Tucker in Michigan State and a little bit of Pac-12 emergency hearing. So a little bit of mix and match. Taryn, what do you think about that setup? Good? I think it sounds great. And Dan, we're always happy to have you on, so I'm happy that you're hosting. Is it Big League Advance or Big League Advantage? I thought it was Advance. They changed their it name. It's Advance. It's now Big League Advantage. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, the defending the lawsuit is the fun Big League Advance fund, so you really can't go wrong. See, what Ooh. happened was Zach and I recorded last week, and I was saying Big League Advance, and Zach very sheepishly corrected me, but he just said it back, and I knew I could tell in his eyes and he didn't want to full out call me out. And then uh, I realized that there was a change here. Taryn, you're, you're with me. We just got to get caught up to speed. This company keeps changing its names. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we'll get to that. Dan, you're really into the LeBron story. So why don't you take us there first? <laughs> um, okay. Okay, here's what I know. Here's what I know. And then, Taryn, you can tell me what I don't know. LeBron James, his wife, his trainer, are all wrapped up in a federal... Performance enhancing drug investigation. Karen, does that sound right? Have I said anything incorrect in that statement? Their names are mentioned in the uh, in the investigation. Yes. Explain to me how that's not a nothing burger. Uh, oh no! Wait. Explain no, to me how I, that right. is. I agree. Burger. I agree. It is a <laughs> <laughs> no. I okay. look. I I don't think that um, that he's in any trouble. I don't think that there's any evidence of him doing anything wrong. I think that this is pretty clearly a case of his business manager. Who I mean, this is somebody that's very close to him. This is the guy that's quoted as making the trains run on time uh, in the more than an athlete. Um, documentary. Yeah, I, I, it's a close associate, but I think for personal reasons, he was trying to use uh, testosterone down in that Miami scene, that culture, you know, he's a bit of a chubbier guy. He was trying to lose some weight. And I think that's what motivated it. I don't think that at any point he was uh, providing these drugs to LeBron James. And so that's why I think that it's more of a nothing burger. I just think that this guy is not directly so close with, uh, with LeBron in terms of those activities that he's providing the, the drugs to him. And even more so, he didn't even get charged. So the, the, they even said what you just said. So the, the federal documents said that the, so Mims, his, his um, LeBron's business manager, Ernest Mims, he, he was 
cited as, you know, purchasing these controlled substances, but it said it was for personal use uh, and that they didn't find any intent of distributing them to anyone else, which would, would mean LeBron, uh, you know, he would be someone else. He was never criminally charged, so they, they didn't bring any charges against him as, as it related to this. Now, his trainer, which is, uh, what, David Alexander, his yes. trainer is associated because he was the personal trainer for LeBron's wife. So, like, the connection to LeBron is is even a little bit more secondary, tertiary in that sense, because it was the trainer who was uh, named as, like, a former associate of Biogenesis, which is the ultimate company related to purchasing the, the PDs, the mastermind of Biogenesis being Anthony Bosch, if you haven't seen any of the, the million articles that are out about this. So it's it's mostly just like the connection that people are trying to associate that LeBron was involved in something like this. But again, he gets he probably gets tested the most out of anybody in the league because he's pushing 40 and he's absolutely jacked. And like he's been that way since he was 18. So like, yeah, of course you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna drug test the the most dominant athlete in your in your league. Just so we understand what the scheme is, like how uh, the relation is between uh, Alexander and Savannah James. So this guy, Alexander, was trading. He was receiving referrals in exchange for these drugs. And Savannah James did not appear on that list of referrals between Alexander and Bosch. So that, again, eliminates one of the links. But Dan, go ahead. Okay, listen, stop coming with me with facts and information and like the actual report. LeBron, performance enhancing <laughs> drugs, Anthony Bosch. Okay, that's all I need to know. Right? It's, not a, it's not a pure fishing expedition. Okay, now we were having a conversation offline. Okay, um, there was another individual named on this report, Paul White, known as the Big Show. Okay, big wrestler. You guys were like, well, obviously, Big Show's on. He obviously did steroids. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Everyone just kind of assumed that Paul White did steroids. LeBron James, right, is about to be playing basketball, I don't know, to his mid-40s and at a very high level. Uh, that shocks the conscience of things that should not normally be within human performance, okay? And listen, again, I'm just pointing things out. The last time there was a player like that, at the peak of his sport, at an age that made no sense, right, it was probably Tom Brady. Tom Brady is a goat. We have no indication of anything that Tom Brady did any illicit substances whatever else now the time before that someone by the name of Barry Bonds whose aging curve was completely out of whack so in terms of GOAT players who are much older and performing at a higher level than they should we're at a 50% hit rate for PEDs so I'm just saying wouldn't it wouldn't shock me but the, but shock the, me? But the allegations are years ago this was this has been this has you been know what, Mike? for I, several years you... of investigation. So this wouldn't be LeBron at like at uh, his age now. This would be prime uh, LeBron, which wouldn't mm -hmm. make sense. I have a question, and I recommended this on a previous what to watch for. And I'm only just just so people realize I'm, I'm half kidding here. Um, I'm half kidding that I think there's something here, but I do think it's worthy of examination. I made a recommendation of a documentary that's on Netflix. It's called Hall of Shame. It's a story about Balco, and it's a story about how number of track athletes, Barry Bonds, you know, uh, weightlifters, shot putters, not only did they use steroids, but they found a way to beat the test in a really creative way. These, the engineers and the, I don't want to say the engineers, but the people behind Balco found a way to beat the test. So Mike, you can't tell me that just because someone hasn't failed a drug test means that they haven't done steroids. I don't, 
I don't think Barry Bonds has ever failed any type of drug test in any way, shape, or form. That's so yes, this was a 2015, 2016 article. Um, but I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, just because uh, like LeBron's never tested positive. And this was five years ago. I just think it's worthy of examination. I think it's, I think it's, I don't think it's a nothing burger. I don't think we can quite say that yet. How about that? Is that fair? Can we agree on this? Uh, I still think it's a nothing burger, but I, I want to jump back to what you're talking about. You compared those three players in that group, uh, Bonds, Brady, and LeBron. The changes in body styles between those three guys should demonstrate to you that one of those guys more likely juicing than the other two guys. Okay. It, okay. Response. Yeah. Response, yeah. Mr. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Professor Professor Sharma. Um, Zach, you've been awfully quiet here, and I can tell you you're on my side. So um, <laughs> um so uh have you ever seen the picture of uh Tom Brady and his uh, NFL draft combine workout? I have, yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, wasn't talking to you, Professor Sharma. Mr. Oh, my- Bryson, have you seen that I, picture? I have seen that picture and I I, I see where you're going with it, but mm-hmm. that's that's quite a stretch. Nope, not on my team. Okay, Jason, uh, I can see that you're on my side here. Um, do you think Tom Brady has gone a massive body transformation between the time he was drafted and his current iteration of himself? No, he looks pretty similar. You guys are not helping me out, <laughs> and, uh, I guess. Wait, are you um, trying to argue that he's a little bit more ripped? Yes, it's, it's negligible. More flexible. Negligible. Okay, now you guys have no credibility. I gained at least one of our listeners just jumped on my side here. Listen, there are substances you can put in your body, right? And also Tom Brady's hair is much better than it was before. Okay, same with LeBron James. Same with LeBron James, a lot more hair. So there are different performance-enhancing drugs, sometimes for your hair, sometimes your body. Okay, I'm half kidding. I don't want to keep doing this. Um, It's probably, Taryn, to your point, it's probably a nothing burger, but I'm not ready to – I'm not quite ready to say it yet. I do think it's interesting when LeBron and his wife are tied up in a federal PED investigation, and they're very closely tied to someone – who had who had those PDs in their possession? I'm just saying it's not it's not a complete fishing expedition. This was a court of law, and you were able to conduct discovery. The judge would allow it because they're like, eh, it's not a pure fishing expedition. We'll allow you to figure this thing out, and you get testimony of LeBron, of his wife. You're not going to get to do that here because it has nothing to do with a fic- uh, fictitious deposition, fictitious document exchange. I just think people should know about it, and people can make their own assessments. Do I think LeBron used steroids? No, but. He did undergo a body transformation, Taryn. So I'm just gonna say. Well, just to just to go back uh, a second, the reason that Barry Bonds never tested positive for steroids is that's because it, it wasn't illegal until 2008. So they were weren't really testing for the right things. But I digress. I think the proper comparison here would be to the A Rod situation, where A Rod's body didn't really transform. He as he got older and bigger, he got stronger, but it wasn't so astronomically different like it was for like Barry Bonds, where his head doubled in size. But did double in size. But but the th- the thing here is, I think the good comparison is what I saw might make sense, and I hate that because I love a Rod. They're dragging him through the coals again every time there's some sort of steroid scandal. It was a prime. Of, it would be the same situation where LeBron's in the prime of his career, demanded to perform, demanded to demanded to succeed. And how do you meet those demands? And how's your body keep up with those demands? You take steroids to keep yourself going. That the old argument, the the a the older age argument was also backed up by Mark McGuire, where Mark McGuire said my body was falling apart, so I needed to take steroids to keep up with Sammy Sosa because I couldn't hit the home runs. I'd be icing my knees and icing my I'd be dumping in a in an ice bath for ten hours after a game because I couldn't keep up. 
So he started taking steroids. So like th- there's arguments that you could say it makes the like makes it one way or the other. I, I don't like LeBron and I'm still defending him in this sense where I don't think it's fair to put him in the court of public opinion here just because he had some sort of affiliation in which he's not even really tied to because his name is like three levels down because his business partner and his wife's personal trainer were connected to them in some ha- some way, shape or form. Um, let the record reflect that Mike has now switched to my team and um, now uh, we have at least one convert. Okay. Let's pause here. We'll, we'll keep an eye on it. It's, it's, it's one of these kind of sexy stories. People are clicking on it. People are looking at it and trying to see what's up. So we don't really know nothing. We don't really know anything more than the kind of periphery notes about what's uh, been reported, but we'll obviously keep an eye on it. We have not, truthfully, we had never had the, the steroid error somehow missed basketball. It went to every other sport. It missed basketball. So there's some people on X, AKA Twitter that are saying, you know, maybe this is it. So I don't know. We, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it, but it's certainly worthy of investigation. Okay. Uh, Jason, you're here. You only have a, we only have about five minutes with you um, because of your bedtime. So we got to be really uh, judicious with uh, our time. You know, I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Jason, you broke a big story, whether you want to call it big league advance, big league advantage. Uh, what I, I think will go down and you can correct me if I'm wrong here. I think this is the first NIL lawsuit of real substance. And there's probably been other ones that have kind of gone under the radar, but I'll, I'll leave it to you. Maybe you can give us a little bit of a background and, uh, you know, a high level understanding of the case. But um, I do find this as a very interesting one for a number of reasons, but go ahead. The floor is yours. Yeah. And I would also agree with that, that it's probably the first lawsuit that actually speaks to the core of an NIL statute, at least where, um, you know, the, the result will directly interpret what the law means and if it's enforceable, et cetera. So by way of background, what we have here is a company that's been around for a while, previously called Big League Advance and now called Big League Advantage. And what their business model is, it's essentially a glorified uh, loan to professional athletes where they typically will target athletes that are up and coming, but don't have the financial means yet to support themselves or kind of boost their career forward so it's popular not to cut you off but not to cut you off but just you said the perfect thing i'm going to put this in quotes target athletes and keep going that was intentional yeah (laughs) so minor league baseball players were often a a target and fernando tatis is the obvious example because you know they're not coming from money and to propel their careers forward they need a surplus of cash in and the idea is you take cash on the front end, whatever the amount may, may be, and then the company, Big League Advance, will get a percentage of your earnings moving, moving forward throughout your career. So if they give this deal to 100 players and 10 of them turn out to be stars, they make a good, a good amount of money. So here, this now takes its turn in college athletics, which is what really caught my eye at first. I hadn't seen this in college athletics Uh, and especially through NIL. So here we have the Chicago Bears second round pick, the defensive tackle from the University of Florida. That's Jervon Dexter. And he signed a deal with Big League Advance in 2022. So I tweeted this out, the lawsuit and the terms of the deal. I just put the terms up front. I knew it would catch everyone's eye. And uh, Dexter received over $400,000 in exchange for NIL services, which is, you know, whatever he was doing, signing autographs, uh, promoting the brand, uh, whatever it may be. And 15% of his pre-tax NFL earnings for 25 years. So that just caught everyone's ear, eye, whatever it may be. 
because you know those terms are are certainly attention worthy. I have, oh, yeah. a, I have a question. I have a question here, and not to cut you off, but um, you know, Beyonce had one of the best music videos of all time. So just just pointing it out. Okay, so we're we're I, I had this question and I posed it to my class on Monday night. So the number that he gets up front, Jason, what is it? It's four sixty, right around there, four hundred sixty thousand. Four thirty six. Okay. And Dak and I talk about this in a little bit on on a, on a previous podcast. If he gets four hundred thirty six thousand for how much? How much percent of his NFL earnings for the next twenty five years? Fifteen percent. Yeah, correct. Okay. Has has Dexter offered to pay back that four hundred thirty six thousand dollars? We don't know that. Um, I'm sure that this is something he's he's saying he's willing to do by bringing this lawsuit. So he's bringing a declaratory judgment action, right? This is this is the part where you know this this question of like acquiescence or just, I mean, here, how do I phrase it? When he takes four hundred thirty-six thousand dollars, there's obviously an equation going on, right? Like, okay, you're getting paid four hundred thirty-six thousand dollars. How does this money make sense? I mean, we're none of us are, are math people here. Maybe Taryn's our closest to a math person, but you know, the expectation is that we expect you to make millions of dollars now, like millions, not just a little bit, like like multiple millions. Now, when when Dexter signs this, he's got like one year of eligibility left, right? He signs this in twenty twenty two. Yeah. So, you know, unless he's Arch Manning or he's Quinn Ewers or he's like Angel Reese, like or the Cavenders, he's not making that money in in, in the next year. He was obviously going to make that as an NFL player. So the question becomes like, what did he think he was getting into? So yes, obviously now after he's been drafted by the Bears, he's making this argument that this contract should be null and void. But we, he, any reasonable person would have understood the math on that the second he signed the contract. It's not like he was given like, I don't know, like $10,000 or $20,000. 436 gives you the assumption that he's going to make millions of dollars in what time period? Obviously when he's an NFL player, and Jason, to your point, doesn't the contract state his including his NFL earnings? Isn't that explicitly in the contract? Yeah, it is, it is explicit. Yeah, professional. Even more, even more so that he like filled out a questionnaire that he was like understanding that he would like have to pay fifteen million, and they they like gave an example of saying if you make a hundred million, that means you have to pay us twenty or fifteen million of that amount. Yeah, but, but why is that relevant? If I sign a contract to break the law and I know it's in violation of the law, it doesn't matter what I know or don't know. It's still void. Yeah, I, I'm not going to argue that it's not predatory. I'm just interested in the angle of if this is even really like an NIL contract. Because it says that they're getting use of his name, image, and likeness in exchange for this $400,000. But it seems pretty clear that what they're really getting is the future pre-tax earnings so should this even be considered an nil contract in your eyes well can i jump in taryn yeah could you have done this deal pre-july 1st of 2021 uh no i don't think you could have well I no because why. he couldn't know because he couldn't NIL, yeah but that's only that's i don't know but that's only because he's he was but would be receiving money as a college athlete doesn't necessarily mean it's a name, image and likeness deal. Yeah. But, but I think, I don't know who said it before. I'm Jason, you might've said it, it, that it, it's more of like a loan where like, there's no, like there's no connection to like, what's, what's the, what's the consideration that they're giving him? Like for, the, for the loan masquerading is NIL. Absolutely. Right. Like this is, this is a fake NIL deal yeah. that, it, it you know it's predatory on a and an athlete who thinks it's an nil deal right like, i think that i think the initial like text message that this guy like sent to him was like 
oh, like we have a we have an awesome like financial slash NIL opportunity for you. The bullshit. What's the NIL opportunity? There's no there's no connection. The the only point I'll add is that the NIL era was really masquerading as like it's really I mean we call it the NIL era, but it's really the ability to pay an athlete's you know athlete compensation starting on July first. It doesn't this isn't really like an NIL deal, but it's only permissible because of the NIL era, which if we remember we're you know essentially it's the NCA waiving their ability to penalize players you know a la Reggie Bush, Johnny Manziel. You know, order, well, you it's, know. it's not even the it's not even the penalties. It's 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 because the NCAA calls student athletes amateurs, and that the fact that they don't receive compensation is why they're amateurs, right? That's the argument we saw in the Alston case. Yeah. Like so, now that you have the ability to receive compensation, removes that that like shield that this is what the definition of amateur is now. Now they're hiding behind pay for play, but it's, it's, I don't know. This is like a, I don't see how this is allowed. Really. I I don't know why the university of Florida's athletic department didn't step in either because this seems so clearly like the, uh, the NIL activities, which would be permitted so signing autographs, showing up at places, speaking on advance on, on behalf of a company, on behalf of big league advance, it's all so nominal to what is really what big league advance is getting after and it's, and and what they have a track record of doing, right? And, and so like the other thing is I, I've heard this argument that, um, well, you know, they took a huge risk. They didn't know that he was going to get to the NFL. And I agree with that in theory, because, you know, whatever 0.08% of high school football players make it to the NFL. But if you really get into those numbers, he's a Dexter's a four-star recruit, something like 36% of four-star recruits make it. So it's a calculated risk and uh, make it where make it to the NFL. Yeah. Make it to the NFL. That number seems very high. I agree. <laughs> it does seem high. But also this is like- 36% of four stars? Maybe 36% of five stars. Oh, no. I think it's 36% of the players that are drafted in any given year are- Got it. Or four stars are up. No, four-star talent because like 63 right. no, are five that's, stars. That would be right because what else would they be? Five stars and probably a handful of three stars. And then I think Joe Burrow was like a zero star. He was like a nothing. <laughs> He was right. I'm not just saying. No, I think he was like a four star. Well, what no, was but, Tom Brady? Right. How would how would Burrow be at Ohio State? No, but it, there was a period of time where Joe Burrow said he was having trouble getting recruited and beyond anyone's radars. There was definitely a period of time in, as a high school starter where he was a, like not even a star. He was just like a zero star. Jason, you're nodding. I, yeah, the, there was that I've, there was I've that tweet that. that went around yeah. uh, Twitter the the other day about uh, like he, he tweeted out that he's like, how do I get seen more? You know what, whoever, I've, I know exactly which tweet you're talking about. That reporter, whoever put that out there, is kind of a dick move. Like, you know, why are you you're dunking on Joe Burrow now? Like, <laughs> dude, dude, just keep keep those in your receipts. Burrow I was, was going to say something. I was going to say something. We, <laughs> I'm going to save myself. But if someone texts you something when they're younger and they put it in your DMs, don't put that on blast. Don't put that out there on Twitter. I don't, I don't think that's very nice. But Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I digress. Zach, you've been awfully quiet here. Uh, are you on the side of this is a nothing burger or this is a very big decision point in NIL history? I'm more on the side that's going to be a pretty 
pretty impactful decision. Uh, one of the things that I was thinking about as you guys were talking was, you know, the characterization that it really is a loan and not really an NIL contract, quote unquote, in the way that we imagine NIL functioning. So there's not only the, the, the facts that this wasn't permissible under Florida's NIL statute at the time, but if this is acting as a loan, is it really something that is an NIL deal? I mean, you can say it's for your name, image, and likeness, but as we said, it's pretty much an advanced loan on future earnings. So you've got those things to consider and like, is that even an NIL deal? How does that factor in? Is he going to give that money back? It's going to be really interesting to have all those questions answered. And I think there's a lot more, a lot more questions than just, Oh, what's going to happen to that $436,000 that he was given. It's, you know, what does this mean for big league advance going forward in quote unquote NIL contracts? It has implications on what, NIL contracts can be, how you can play, pay players if this is going to be permissible behavior in the future. I think there's a lot of stuff that is going to go on in this lawsuit, a lot of questions to be answered that we haven't seen before. So I'm definitely going to say not on Team Nothing Burger on this one, Dan. <laughs> and by the way, guys, we're, we're, we're looking at a pretty high level of scrutiny where we're talking about whether this is an NIL deal or not. Let's go lower. Let's say it is an NIL deal is it compliant with the NIL statute? So when the deal was signed, Florida's NIL law says that the duration of a contract for representation of, of an athlete uh, may not extend beyond their participation in that athletic uh, institution. So if this is for 25 years for his NFL career, you know, to me, that, that seems clearly in violation of the statute. Um, What's the language rep representing an athlete? Here, let me just read it. The duration of a contract for representation of an intercollegiate athlete or compensation for the use of an intercollegiate athlete's name, image, or likeness may not extend beyond her or his participation. We have a slight problem. We have a slight problem here. It's not representing an athlete, and we just spent five minutes talking about the fact that it's not using his name, image, and likeness. If I'm the other side, I'm like, what part of this law is contradictory to this agreement? No, there was it's not an agency deal. Nominally, in there order was an to or not there. be void to begin with, they're saying that it is for the use of his name, image, and likeness. Who's saying that? I mean, that's what the contract is based on. Yeah, but it's not really, though. It could say that. But it's what what, what part of they using his name, image, and likeness? Not exploiting it. Know that, it's, a, it's a loan. I mean, that's what we're saying it is practically. but But in the agreement... They're saying it's for his name, image, and likeness. And oh, yeah, by the way, you also have this obligation to us once your eligibility ends. Jason, right. read, read that again. There's an or in there. It says or compensating an athlete. Yeah. Doesn't right. necessarily mean representing, but the, the, just the fact that they're compensating that athlete would, would could not extend beyond his playing years. Let's hear one more time, Jason. We'll, we'll make an assessment here. You have the great reading of the contract. The duration of a contract for representation of an intercollegiate athlete or compensation for the use of an intercollegiate athlete's the use. likeness may not extend beyond her or his participation. Okay. Yes, it's important. <laughs> it, it says compensation for the use. Mike, listen, I, I did pretty well on my reading comprehension LSATs. The logic games I was pretty good at. You know, the other one I wasn't that good at, whatever that other one was. There is no more logic games. Well, I'm happy really? I took the LSATs a long time ago then. Um, 
Okay, so yeah, I mean, listen, it's it's an interesting case if you're if you're arguing and you're just trying to big league advance or advantage, whatever you want to call them. You know, they get in a lot of bad press, but um, and Taryn, I, I'm certainly one of the people that says they're not a bad company. They're taking a risk. Brother Fernando Tatis and Zach brought this up on the last show. Ellie De La Cruz that are big hits. They have a lot of losers in this, but yep. I'm also not aware, and this has not come up on our show. And I don't know if anyone knows this. I'm gathering he's not the only college athlete that signed this type of deal. Right. Correct. I saw so a, Georgia, a Georgia player has one as well. Former Georgia player. Might be known. It's, it's, it's one of those Georgia defensive players. So Jalen Carter. No, I think he said it was Nolan Smith. I'm pretty sure. Well, he said one of them. Yeah. Um, well, listen, it's, it's something to pay attention to. I think, you know, to, to your point, Mike, and I'm, I'm actually siding with you a little bit. Well, I don't know which side you're on here. If it is an NIL deal or if it's not an NIL deal, it's an NIL deal. Then certainly there's some precedential effect here uh, that a contract can be canceled after the fact. And if it's not an NIL deal, and it's a loan, then I think Big League Advantage has some stronger arguments in a court of law. Um, Jason, you're going to follow this one for us? You're going to follow the docket? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited to see how it goes. Uh, Tell that guy Dove, uh, Dove Kleinberg that he's got to give you uh, some props next time. Oh, you know what was so your, funny? Your he was quoting from another account that stole my tweet. And I love when you just know they stole it because he even had my typo in there still. The guy doesn't <laughs> have the decency to correct my typo. <laughs> I left an extra space by accident. Speaking of typos, can we talk about Patrick Mahomes' lack of a comma? <laughs> yeah. That was one of the best tweets of all time. So for those that don't know, Rodgers goes down. Everyone's tweeting about how, how sad it is. And, and <laughs> Patrick Mahomes goes, hate that, man, that, that, that. And then he said something else. <laughs> what, was, what was the tweet? It's like, hate that, man, you know. Uh, like, he's like, get, get healthy soon or yeah. something like that. <laughs> like, And then like, he edits it. It just and hate he that. edits it. Hate that comma, man. Commas are very, yeah. very important. I think he should have left it, though. That would have been amazing. English professors everywhere just kiss their copy of Eat, Shoots, and Leaves. Oh, that's <laughs> so good. Okay, Jason, we appreciate you joining. You've given us a lot of time. It is way past your bedtime. And for the record, it is 1043 on a weeknight. So <laughs> yeah, no, sorry sure to the morning household. But, uh, <laughs> You know what? I'm going to stay up for probably one more hour. You know? Whoa! Yep. I'm going to wow. Take hour and then, uh, wow. Make, make sure you don't miss the bus in the morning. It comes eight o'clock sharp. Don't miss it. <laughs> All right. Nothing. Okay. I'll catch you guys. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Jason. So we did say this was a, a joint show. I will officially hand the baton over to Taryn. We'll turn this into an impromptu NIL hour. Taryn, before we start, do you have anything to tell us? Well, Dan, uh, as you know, our show, always proudly sponsored by Themis Bar Review. Imagine having your own legal mentor by your side throughout law school. Well, with Themis Bar Review, you will have access to one-on-one -on -one personalized guidance from a licensed attorney like us who help monitor your progress throughout the bar exam journey. In addition, you can keep your busy study schedule on track with assignments that adapt based on your performance and progress when you use their adaptive calendar and study pacer. You also have a dedicated essay creator who provides personalized feedback on your essay structure, legal knowledge, and factual analysis. So level up your game and choose Themis Bar Review. Enroll with Themis before September 30th and save up to $1,100. Wow! <laughs> on your Bar Review course and use the code CONDUCTFALL23 
to get an extra $100 off. That's amazing. Zach, it is. you're 3L. It, you're going to be Zach, Zach, if you're not using Themis after that ad read, we will come and find you. We're going to beat you with a sack of batteries if you don't use Themis. Well, well good not, thing you don't have to worry about that. We're not going to do that, but <laughs> but we are going to find ways to convince you to use Themis. Okay? I, we do not endorse anything Taryn says on the show other than the smart things that he says. Oh, okay. Uh, we have fun here. We love Themis. And uh, Themis is good. Themis is great. Taryn, what's that promo code? Uh, it's ConductFall23. That's for Themis Bar Review, best bar review company in the galaxy. Now here's a word from our sponsors, Spotify. Okay, let's bring us home. Long episode, a lot of fun. This is kind of a throwback episode. A little bit of a hang time session, way past Jason Moran's bedtime. That's why you can't join us. Mel Tucker, uh, kind of switching gears. Serious topic in the space. Uh, I have some thoughts on how it impacts the kind of NIL world at large, but we'll save them. Uh, Mike, lead us off. Mel Tucker, maybe a brief overview. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll get into it. Mel Tucker, Michigan State. Mike, the floor is yours. So in keeping with some of the NCAA college stories that we're seeing where they're kind of a big deal behind the scenes, and then once they go public is when the school finally does something about certain allegations. So in this case here, Michigan State has suspended Mel Tucker I think it was about a day after uh, the the uh, allegations of sexual harassment became public in a USA um, Today article. So what we have here is uh, an investigation that dates back from December of 2022, in which uh, there were sexual harassment um, allegations where Tucker was accused of making sexual comments and also uh, masturbating while he was on the phone uh, with with this uh, accuser, Brenda Tracy, uh, who is a prominent activist, and, and she herself is a, is a rape survivor. Um, so there's a, a lot more that's going to come out, but a Title IX investigation uh, had been brought up in December of 2022. And, it, and again, only until this kind of really became public news was when Michigan State has suspended um, Tucker without pay. Now we're waiting for a, a hearing on whether or not they can terminate him uh, for cause. Um, but right now we're kind of stuck in this limbo here. And again, another situation where there's been an investigation that has been ongoing for a few months and now it is being blasted in the public. And that's when, I don't know if maybe these schools are feeling pressure that they have to do something to, to preserve their image. Um, but it, it's not the first time we're seeing a school kind of really jump in the gun uh, as soon as something goes public. Yeah. Uh, so, look, I, I think one thing that was left out in this story when Michigan State announces the suspension is that they actually didn't know about any of this because Title IX complaints go through a separate reporting process and investigation process. So it's completely separate from the athletic department, from the university's administration. There's a Title IX office, and in this case, they're doing their job. And the cynic in me says that uh, uh, part of the reason that they want to, uh, you know, lay all this groundwork, despite, you know, obviously some, some wrongdoing went on here, uh, having any sort of inappropriate relationship with the university vendor 
is a is a big time no-no. But also the cynic in me wants to say that, look, Michigan State 2021 gave out this 10-year, $95 million contract to Mel Tucker. They weren't very good last year. They got uh, beaten pretty badly at home in a lot of big games. And they're not necessarily off to like a great start. It doesn't look like they're going to be like a national championship contender like it did in 2021 when they had 11 wins. And uh, they're still on the hook for 70 something million dollars, pushing $80 million with, with Mel Tucker. So the cynic in me says that that's part of the motivation here is that they would like to fire him for cause so that they don't have to pay out the rest of that contract. Um, you know, yeah, no, this, this, well, I want, you said something really interesting. I don't, I don't want to lose sight of um, when do you think is the earliest the school could have found out once the title nine investigation ends that that part's done, they separation of church and state ends when do you think the earliest time that the school found out about this my understanding is that it would be july of 23 recently no i think that they wouldn't have found out about this until october otherwise uh, i i think that the only reason that they found out about this is because brenda tracy's name was leaked to local media and so she felt like she had to uh, release her side of the story in usa today that's what made it clear that she was the one who had filed the complaint. Then Mel Tucker subsequently releases his side of the story. And then Brenda Tracy responds to that saying, you know, this is not an extortion effort. This is, yeah, I, but, I didn't even. Hold on, hold name. on. You're, you're drinking the Kool-Aid to some extent. Someone files an allegation, Brent, you know, Brenda Tracy files an allegation that Mel Tucker, the head coach of the football team, basically had some version of non-consensual phone sex. I don't know what, exactly what you want to call it, but we're in the right territory. So this is a complaint filed in December of 2022. Understanding that, yes, nobody else should know about the Title IX investigation, and there should be separation for church and state. But in that seven-month period between December of 2022 and July 2023, my understanding is that there was some type of investigation that was completed in July of 2023. You don't think that... Michigan State brass found out about this independent and maybe it, it seeped through and that we as a public are only finding out about it now or do you think that Michigan State's finding out about the same time that we as the public are yeah I think that they found out about it when the story was re- not sure about that today because I, I don't think that they have any benefit to waiting until this point it, it like I I think that they would have liked to be out of the Mel Tucker business even this summer I don't think that it was like a huge issue for them to fire him if this had come to light. Uh, the The reason that they made this move now is because it has been publicized. But otherwise, I think that this report would have been um, completed in July and then uh, a hearing would have been held in October as planned. Then they get the information in that hearing and then they make a decision. Now, Look, I'm not privy to the inner workings of Michigan State politics. Uh, it's clear that they have a history of making the wrong decisions when it comes to a lot of this stuff. And, Larry Nasser, we should yes. mention. And and I think it would be foolish to to pretend like that's not part of the whole calculus here. Um, and, and so I do think that that colors things a little bit when we think of what Michigan State knew and when they knew it, but I my understanding of Title IX procedures is that it's completely separate or it's supposed no, to No, but I'm not disagreeing that those are the procedures. There's 
what's on paper and the reality of the situation. If there's this loaded of an allegation between, um, you know, non-consensual phone sex, as in between a sexual violence advocate and the head coach of a team, I, yeah. you don't really need to say anything more. That's going to make its way around. And I, I put it this way, like, and, I, and you know, Taryn, you know me, I'm not really a Big Ten guy, but I feel like there's so much drama in the Big Ten. Like, you go back to Larry Nasser stuff, you go back to Penn State stuff, you talk about the Northwestern stuff recently, the cancellation and uncancellation of Big Ten football, which, you know, we're obviously very involved in as a show. The Big Ten seems to be lacking this transparency element. And I think, you know, you, what you, I think you made a good comment. What did they have to gain, um, you know, by like exposing this earlier? And it's like, you know, it seems, and maybe it's just because of its recency bias, but Northwestern with Coach Fitzgerald, it, maybe the situation's different because it's not a Title IX situation. And they probably, I mean, I think they admitted that they did know about this investigation. They're the ones that Northwestern's one that hired these law firms to conduct, conduct the investigation. But there is a common theme between both. There's a leak to the public. And then all of a sudden, the coach the coach is on the out. So, you know, I, I, I think that's the sentiment right now. That how did Michigan State not know about it? And I just want to point this out. The transfer portal, there are two transfer portals in college football. There's the December, January window, and then there's the April window. So to the extent, and I get it, you have to abide by Title IX. Maybe, maybe if Michigan State came out that they knew about this ahead of time, they would have violated Title IX procedures. Someone would have lost their job at some point. The gossip mill is going. But at the end of the day, you have players that are now trapped in this program for a full year. Had this come out at any point between December and, I don't know, May, when the investigation was already ongoing, the complaint at that point was made for a couple months, players would have left the program on exodus. So that's also a reason for not saying it. And keeping it under wraps. So we're trying to listen. We don't really know exactly what happened. We're talking about pros and cons. That's a reason to not say anything, to not have everybody leave. And oh, conveniently, it leaks after the season started. So all these players are trapped there. So if you're worried about, you know, competing for a national championship. Now you're just worried about being competitive. You definitely would have lost a handful of, you know, Mel Tucker guys. Mark D'Antonio is being brought in, their old friend to be associate head coach. Like, I don't know what systems he's going to run. I mean, they were a very different team under, you know, D'Antonio. So um, I am just, I'm very suspicious of the timing here. Zach, I, I feel like I was wrong earlier that you were on my side about LeBron. I feel like you're on my side here. I'm just I'm watching those eyebrows percolate. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd have to say that there's no way that they found out, in my mind, that they found out as these allegations became a new story. I understand that with the Title Nine whole system and, and investigation that they're not going to find out when the complaint is filed or during the the investigation necessarily but the investigation concluded in july and based on the information that we have right now once that investigation was concluded they set a hearing date for october where the university is going to decide if they're going to fire him if they're going to fire him for for cause or if it's not going to be for cause which has its own implications so if at the time this story came out, which is what it appears to be, that they had concluded this investigation and they'd already set this hearing to try to decide, are we going to fire him for cause for early October? The university, I think, at the very latest knew or should have known, likely did know in July. And so to not say anything from July to, to now in September that's definitely going towards that lack of transparency that you guys were just mentioning, I think. So 
definitely have to say I'm a little bit more on your side with the when did the university find out and it's definitely problematic for lots of lots of reasons and lots of other surrounding circumstances with the university itself but I have a hard time buying that they didn't know anything up to this week I I, I think that's speculation but that's fine you're uh entitled to be able to do that Mike I have a question about something that Mel Tucker said. So he said that the school found that it did not have Title IX jurisdiction. Do you think that that affects whether somebody would know something at that point? Because and then it could theoretically be outside of the the bounds of Title IX investigation procedures. You're you're saying that the school doesn't have Title IX jurisdiction. Well, that's what Mel Tucker said. Because this is a private conversation. So he's he's saying that his private life is being investigated for an alleged Title IX violation when this is the, the the two wouldn't connect, that the jurisdiction wouldn't connect there because this is not this is not a, a Michigan State football issue and this is a, a just a sexual harassment issue in general. Um but I, I think it's still brought in because she's been like an honorary captain. She spoke to the team twice. She's yeah. affiliated has some loose affiliation with the program. There's still there's still a connect there's still a connection there. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say two things. To sum up basically what Dan and Zach said, and to answer your question, Taryn, about what benefit does Michigan State get out of this, the benefit is time. Their benefit by not sharing this is time. So what Dan said about recruits and and not having guys leaving in the in the the portal and and then to what zach said the timeline just doesn't make sense of like why they wouldn't be able to uh share this that they're they're getting the benefit of time because they know as soon as this goes public that they're gonna have the pressure to terminate him right away they would lose recruits they would lose recruits they would lose guys in the portal things like that but the time this this time gives them the ability to go through and properly evaluate in their sense instead of having an allegation get leaked and them having to make a snapshot decision of whether or not they need to terminate or suspend him without pay before they do some sort of investigation. So I think that's I think that's the benefit of them holding off. Now the okay. other thing is oh go ahead Mike go ahead go ahead. The other thing is is I I do agree with Taryn in the sense that. The way that at least my experience being in in a compliance office is when there is some sort of an investigation going on, you might not know what's happening. I mean, people do outside independent Title IX audits all the time. Not everybody within the compliance office or the general counsel's office is going to be privy to that information. So I agree with that, where there actually could be some sort of... uh, wall up between the investigation that's being conducted and the everyday business of a a compliance office. However, usually that also involves some sort of interview process. So you're going to have an independent title line attorney or, or whoever is coming in to do this title line audit, who's going to be in the office quite frequently in the athletic department quite frequently. And you're going to see that person. You're going to not, not going to know who that person is. So it's going to at least raise enough to have some sort of question about what's going on. And then what Dan said kind of leads into it's going to get leaked because people talk. Okay. The last part of this, which we should hit upon, there's a hearing scheduled for October 5th and October 6th. Alluded to it a couple of times. 
if we're worried about transparency, right? This is, uh, I'm not sure how often this happens. It doesn't happen in high profile case like this in college sports, but there's going to be an adversarial hearing with, uh, you know, Brenda Tracy on one hand, Mel Tucker on the other hand, they're going to be giving testimony. They're going to be going back and forth. I'm not sure if they can do this, but they probably could be a forensic examination of the, of each other's cell phones to figure out these text messages that were allegedly sent between one another. You know, the one thing I do want to point out, um, this has been called by many outlets as a he said, she said type deal. It's not really a he said, she said. Mel Tucker has admitted to the underlying act. The question yes. is whether or not this was consensual or not. Now, the devil's in the details when we're going to look at this contract. I'm sure the details and the termination clause and the morals clause, they're going to come up at some point. But I just want to point out just for our, sorry, our contract analysis here, you could have an act that is not a crime that is not, you know, a pure act of moral turpitude. Um, and you could certainly have an act that is consensual that can result in termination. I see a lot of these contracts. If you perform an act that embarrasses or harms the reputation of your employer yes. or whoever you're having a contract with, you can terminate on those grounds. So, you know, we're going to have to see what the version is that the, that seems to be more believable at the end of the day. But there's certainly a world based on Mel Tucker's contract where this could be, this could be exactly what Mel Tucker says it is, consensual phone sex. And if his contract allows him to be terminated for cause for an act that causes, you know, significant harm to the reputation of the university, they could let him go. Again, we, I don't think we have the details on what his, uh, you know, for cause firings are like we did. Taryn, I think you and I had covered it, that Chris Beard firing the college basketball from Texas Tech. That was a situation where he was arrested and then the charges later dropped. Most morals clauses, termination clauses, if you are arrested, charged with a felony or misdemeanor, like charged is usually the trigger. Sometimes it's convicted, um, but I've seen clauses that say if it causes great embarrassment, that can result in termination for cause. So, um, guys, we have—I don't think that's public. I was looking around for it, right? Taryn, Mike, Zach, has anyone seen it? His contract, I have not seen it. Yeah, I don't think it's out. I was looking for it, but but since it's a public university, you could probably f file FOIA request for it, right? We got to hit up our guy Tom Mars, who ma made FOIA a very popular term back in uh, September of 2020. It was right around there. Anything else to add, Mike, Zach, before we close out the Mel Tucker chapter? No dice, no dice. Okay, let us go. Oh, Taryn, go ahead. No, I, I, I think that this is going to end up uh, having some sort of settlement. I think uh, Michigan State will pay out part of it because um, this procedurally is not going to allow Mel Tucker to have some sort of like day in court where he gets to argue it, right? So I think that they're going to file suit for sure even if it's firing for cause and they'll end up reaching some sort of uh, agreement. But I think that it's pretty clear that Mel Tucker has coached his last game first party. I think that's right. I think that's right. Okay. As we start to put a close in this episode, we, we tried to do, uh, you know, when it makes sense, we try to do what to watch for, talk about big stories in sports, other things that we think are meaningful. Taryn, you have uh, circled this one. It's a very big item to watch in college sports. Certainly you guys have been talking about conference realignment on your show. We've done it a little bit on ours. I think I know where you're going to take this, what to watch for, but uh, you can, you can confirm or deny this. Yeah. A uh, County superior court judge in Washington has issued a temporary restraining order. That's going to prevent the PAC 12 from holding this board meeting. And at that board meeting, they were considering doing such things like allowing for uh, transition dollars to be, issued from the conference to the uh, the schools that are leaving. 
Um, and obviously Washington State and Oregon State, who have been left behind, are not interested in uh, in having a conference pay money to the, the schools that effectively killed it. And they they won. So that meeting is not going to take place. And I think that this will probably get challenged uh, further up. But it's nice to see that Wazoo and Oregon State are at least sticking together. I I have a really good friend and his wife who are Washington State alumni. Uh, and I feel really bad for them because, but for, you know, the stroke of luck, really, of being located near other schools that happen to get a, a better TV contract at the right time, it could be you know, Minnesota that would be in that situation where they were left without a conference. And so uh, I, I feel really bad for them, but the Cougs had a big win, beat Wisconsin who, um, this past weekend. So at least things are going well for them in the Pac-12's final season. Mike? Zach? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, definitely going to be really interesting to watch and really interesting to kind of dive a little bit deeper as that all comes out. For my what to watch for, I'm a big baseball fan, big fan of the Braves, so not quite in the same vein as newsworthy, but they're already locked into the playoffs. I'll also mention it because I know that's going to make Mike a little bit angry since he's, uh, you know, one of those Yankees fans. So they're locked into playoffs. Wait, what's that supposed to mean? One of those Yankees fans? What subset of Yankees fans are we talking about? Just All like the, the people nice that one. we hate? All Yankees fans. It's... I have a special special dislike for the Yankees because of their contractual obligation to be but like shaven. but particularly their fans you hate them. I don't hate the fans. Not I just hate no. the organization. Not saying No, there was a there was a pause there. Mike, you have an enemy sitting alongside you. Watch your back. There's a knife about to go in it. He's a Braves fan. He's got really nothing to say cuz they, all they do is choke in the playoffs. Oh no. yeah, choke so many times. I mean, how many times have you guys been to the playoffs the last couple of years? No, I mean, but you guys have really actually choked so many times in the playoffs. You were in the, the playoffs for 14 straight years, one title. Since the Mets existed, same number of titles, hey. Atlanta and the Mets. Ugh. We've at least been to the playoffs and been to the playoffs consistently. I mean, over the past 10 years, a lot better record going to the playoffs than, than those Yankees. So, but I'm joking. I digress. I digress. With, uh, with all the rest of the stuff that's going on with the Braves, they are locked into the playoffs again, again. Uh, Matt Olson right now has tied the franchise record for home runs. Ronald Acuna's got 60-some stolen bases, 37, 38 home runs. So he's getting ready to go over the 40-40 club. So going to be an exciting and fun team to watch instead of those imploding Yankees up there. Yeah, I'd root Shots for fired. Instead of the Braves. Okay, Mike. I'll I'll hit clean up here. What do you got? Uh, um, I mean, I'm I'm also going to address the fact that the Yankees are falling apart. But uh, it, it's the you know there's always a chance. They've got six games left against the um, against the Blue Jays, so that should be interesting for the final wild card spot uh, if they can muster something up. The Blue Jays are crumbling as Alex Alec Manoa is having like a crybaby uh, situation in Buffalo. But you know, Not what? 
not in Buffalo. He didn't not in Buffalo. Yeah, right. Exactly. Failing to be in Buffalo. And, and, and Zach's comment about not making the playoffs. I think the Yankees only have made the playoffs, I think once in the last 10 years. So it's fine. Whether or not they have success (laughs) in the playoffs, that's a different story. But (laughs) since you guys are basically like the same franchise, it's like the Spider-Man meme. You're just looking at each other. Yeah, no, I know. The Yankees just have a his- history of being the best team in, you know, all of professional sports, and they just fell off the last, you know, 27 20 years. or two. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> um, so, Mike, I, um, I think what you're so, saying is you're looking forward to watching the Yankees miss the playoffs this year for the first time in a long my, time. My what to watch for is basically watching to see if I'm actually going to be able to get to the playoffs this year because, but obviously, besides COVID, uh, I've been to every single at least one game of every single series since 2017. So this would be the first year that I wouldn't be at a playoff game if they don't make playoffs. So I'm out here. Like, target field is beautiful. They're, the Twins will be in the playoffs. But, Mike, your streak won't end if the Yankees don't make the playoffs. So, you know, win-win, right? <laughs> um, okay, let's, let's close it up here. Um, first of all, boys, thank you for joining. It's been a long show, a great show. Uh, my what to watch for, I'll keep it short and sweet. My daughter's uh, under five-year-old soccer team. I'm gonna post some updates as a you know maybe some nil deals will be thrown our way. We won uh, a scorching nine to six game. This this little girl who ends up being a beast because her dad's the coach and told her she has uh, super speed uh, cleats. Scores six goals. So we'll see. We got another game Saturday. Coach lost three v three soccer. I got kicking and screaming. Uh, I have girls slide tackling people, throwing the ball in the net. But coach lost. We're going for an undefeated season. What about the? She scored the same number of goals as the other team. She is a beast at soccer, and I will tell you one thing further because it was not addressed on the last show. It's three versus three soccer, and my friends, uh, some of the dads listen to the show, it was really three on two soccer because my other two girls on the team did not want to play. So she didn't just score as many goals as the other team. She did it in a handicap match in a three-on-two setting, and she's just dribbling through the whole team. She's a beast. And I go, Dylan, you know that you're incredible. She's like, Daddy, you gave me super speed in my cleats because I told her I – like almost like a little Space Jam status. I like gave her like the fake like water like uh, the Bugs Bunny did. I pretended to sprinkle magic dust on her shoes, and she thinks she's the fastest. So, Taryn, not only that – He's a November birthday playing against January and February girls. This kid is special. I might be biased, but I'm also the coach and I'm preaching positivity. And so far resulted in six goals. So I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep doing it. You should preach positivity to the other girls on the team and make them want to play. I do, but I also can't. So it's very, at this age, if they don't want to play and the parents don't want to force them to play, me being the coach that forces them to play, it's a problem. So what I did, Taryn, because I'm certainly not going to be giving up. If you ain't trying to trade girls in under five soccer, you ain't trying to win. <laughs> so what I did, I acquired uh, over the course of the game, I acquired a fifth and sixth girl on our roster. But the problem was, the problem was they also saw that the girls on the bench were getting water and orange slices, ice cream. And it looked a little bit more fun to be on our bench. So I did make a trade. Didn't give up any assets, but now I have four girls on my bench and only two are playing. Problem, not a problem for my daughter. She's got super speed, okay? She's got super speed. Team, I think we can close it out here. Good luck, Zach, to your Braves and winning the World Series. Mike, Yankees are making the playoffs. And Taryn, I guess on that Pac-12 hearing, and uh, Minnesota remaining employed within a conference. That seems to be tough. 
I don't know if my Nebraska Cornhuskers uh, are feeling as safe and secure. Yeah, as I didn't, I didn't get to haze you about that, but uh, they came to Minneapolis and and didn't have a good time. That I think that's five in a row that they beat um, them. I'm going to say something controversial, and we'll see how many of my Nebraska friends listen to this podcast, listen to this episode. It's very hard to be a Nebraska fan right now. They have the the most like losses by eight wins or less, the most second half collapses in the country in the last five years. Now, if you're wondering, Dan, you didn't go to Nebraska. When did you become a Nebraska fan? I became a Nebraska fan during the COVID year of 2020. So mm-hmm. I have literally only been a fan through the worst era of Nebraska sports. And I still get people DMing me. Ha ha, you suck. Colorado's the best. Ha ha, you suck. <laughs> My, you know, Minnesota killed you. And I'm like, I don't even have a comeback anymore. It's like not even – I just get beat over the head with it. So Nebraska's going to have to start winning quick, period. I'm not going to make any threats, but for my for my mental health, they should start winning. Um, I've stopped betting on them, but I would really hope that they could get a win at some point. That'd be great. Okay, um, let's end it here. Uh, thank you, Taryn, Mike, Zach, the NIL Hour, Holly, all of the fun people here at Comedy Instrumental – Jason for joining us, uh, staying up a little bit past his bedtime. And uh, yeah, that'll do it. Uh, For us here at Conic Detrimental, we will see you next time on another episode of the Sports Law Podcast, Conduct Detrimental. Detrimental.